Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Theology in the Dirt. My name is Mitchell Jolly. Justin Owens. Hey man, Justin, it's good to have you back at our world back. headquarters today, man. It's good to be back. You've been, uh, what's the last podcast you were on? Oh, shoot, I don't know, it was back in April. Yeah, So before sabbatical, right? Before I took my sabbatical in the middle of tax season, so I don't remember what we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember exactly what it is we talked about. I remember sitting in this chair and having a conversation, and a lot has happened since then, and a lot was going on at that time. So, absolutely, absolutely, it's good to have you back in here, man. Glad you got a little rest and uh, it was good. operate your business. You also have another gig. You, you're a business owner, and uh, you have stuff to do. Yep, <laughs> got a family to care for. So we're glad to have you back. Um, guys, we appreciate you listening to Theology in the Dirt. We here at Theology in the Dirt uh, want to put our worldview, our Christian theology into practice in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. And we are coming to you from Global Impact uh, Headquarters, Restoration Rome, where we engage foster adoptive care in northwest Georgia, state of Georgia, and frankly, uh, with our partners around the United States. And so as we are engaging uh, in the world, we're also addressing topics that happen to come uh, our way. And so, uh, uh, by the way, before we jump into that, that song that we introed with, um, if, uh, I would love to hear from you, if you know, um, one, what movie uh, that song is on, it's soundtrack. I don't know if I said that right. That song is on a soundtrack of a modern movie. And if you know what that movie is, shoot us an email at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com and let us know. Or if you just grew up listening to that song, that'll put you in a demographic, and, we, and uh, that'll tell a little bit about your age. But if you know uh, what movie that song uh, accompanied, send us an email. We'd like to know. And also any questions you'd like us to address, we would be glad to talk about them. And so today, Justin, we're going to start off with our sports hot take. So, Justin, as we come in with our sports hot take music, what is your sports hot take for the day? Unlike ESPN, we're actually going to talk about sports. <laughs> um, yeah, I now know why I stopped watching ESPN. So that's, yeah, there's yeah. your hot take. So There you go. Um, man, the hot take. I feel like all my hot takes are always about the Braves. So I'm trying to think of something else. You're a homer like me. Um, it's okay. I am a homer. And I'm a baseball fan. You are. So that's what my hot takes usually lend toward. Um, but I'm going to go a different direction. Uh, with the news that potentially two colleges in L.A., not lower Alabama, not Louisiana, but <laughs> Los Angeles, might yeah. be going to the Big Ten. Right. Uh, that's a definite shakeup. It's a big shakeup. In college sports. And I think it's only going to perpetuate – Blowing up the current system. Right. And Absolutely. creating some kind of new system. Right. I don't know what that is, but I think you're going to see probably four power conferences, like big mega conferences, like the Big Ten, the SEC, that have already hinted at moving away from the NCAA, doing right. their own thing. Right. Um, now, the fact that there's a ton of money involved, you might see some way that the NCAA is able to keep all that together and let them right. create their own new format. But I think you're going to see a lot of changes in college football over the next five years. We've seen a ton of change over the last five years. But I think it's just going to perpetuate to right. the elite are going to get more elite 
and everybody else is just going to be left behind. I think that's exactly what we can expect. Yeah, I, I think that's. So that may not be that hot of a take. No, I, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's coming. I think the NCAA is worthless, uh, and I think they're being proven worthless. They're not driving any of this. They're just sort of there. I don't even know what the NCAA does. We, anyway, that's a different. That's probably a different talk. But the NCAA has proven itself borderline worthless, except handing out punishment uh, and serving as a transfer portal and. Anyway, I'm sure yeah. somebody else has a better take on that than me. But that no, that's college football. College athletics period is never going to be the same. It, it's going to change, and I think, I think even other sports are going to be affected by it pretty heavily. Right. Um, but I think if you look at football, you got the Big Ten and you got the SEC. Right. I mean, that's where all the schools are moving to. I mean, right. the ACC has Clemson. Right. That that's it. That's about it. That's about <laughs> I mean, it. Right. And then the Big Twelve is bleeding. Yeah, Big 12. They're two biggest schools. And yeah, Big 12 so. could have a chance to rescue itself by gleaning from the Pac 12, some maybe yeah. uh, with with money. They've got to do something. I mean, the bottom line is name, image, and likeness is creating uh, the need to make sure collectives are, are big in these schools. So they're mm-hmm. raising money to. You know, if you if you're a, a certain star player, you're going to get deals, and you're allowed to do that now. But for everybody on the team. They're, these collectives are able to have money and distribute them to everybody on the team, including mm-hmm. your walk-ons. And uh, here's here's a, a hot take uh, along those lines. I think the current shakeup is going to cause smaller Division One conferences like Conference USA um, to be able to grow um, and, and financially, mm-hmm. but also even even a number. I, I think you're going to see um, conferences have to be able to bind together, compete. Uh, and I think maybe some of these larger schools are going to have to find an opportunity to jump into a smaller conference where they can compete, and it may raise the bar. So you have Conference USA. We're going to have like Jacksonville State University. You're going to have Middle Tennessee State. And uh, if, if those programs can pull in some larger schools, mm-hmm. that's going to raise their status. So it's a chance for Conference – I say Conference USA, to example, to, to grow. Yeah, and uh, and maybe get at least they're not going to be a super conference, maybe or a mega conference, but maybe raise their status a tad, increase yeah. their money, and uh, so that's my hot take. Because I think you're going to see things like Conference USA grow and become bigger. Because that's big; it's still big time football, big it's time big athletics. It's big money. So, so that's our that's our sports hot takes for the day. And so we're going to skip our overtime today because we're doing some current events and we're going to be talking about some things here. So we're going to jump into our main topic. This is the main event of the evening. And now, senores, senores. Yeah, baby. Thank you, Bruce Buffer, for that recording. We appreciate it supplying us with the main event. Today, our main event, our main topic is really uh, current events. And those current events are going to be Roe, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and for us in Rome, Georgia, uh, a pride event that just happened, and not so much the pride event uh, as much as the capstone of that event mm-hmm. uh, and what it said uh, in regard to a worldview. And so, yeah. Justin, let's start with Roe. Big deal. Uh, huge, huge deal. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those deals that has been pushed for for decades. Right. Uh, it's something I didn't know that I would ever see in my lifetime. Right. Um. My take on it is it, there, it's a time to rejoice. Yes. If you are pro-life in any way, shape, form, or fashion, it is a 
I don't have any other conclusion, but it is a time to rejoice. Absolutely. There's plenty of follow-up thoughts of what to do now, Yeah, how to engage more, right. or to get more people involved in the work that pro-life organizations were already doing, Yeah, how to scale up that capacity. But it's a victory lap. It's a victory lap. I Absolutely. mean, I, I don't have any other conclusion other than let's rejoice with those who rejoice, and this is a time to rejoice because— That's right. It was the overturn of an unjust right. precedent. Absolutely. I think um, far too often people uh, use Nazi Germany examples, and it's too easy to do that. Um, and I try to avoid that, if at all possible. Uh, but in this instance, I have a hard time not comparing here. Um, when Allied forces discovered uh, Buchenwald, Auschwitz, um, and these multitude, multitudes of death camps scattered from Poland to Germany and all these places um, in which uh, an entire race of people, not just race too, people, um, gypsies, uh, multitudes of people uh, were systemically exterminated because of an ideology. Six million it's the best estimate, right? Six million plus people. Um, here's 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 why the victory lap is important, and why I struggle with people's uh, cautioning us on celebrating this. We celebrated the liberation of Europe and people from an ideology that was exterminating humans. Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. It was a hater of minorities, mm-hmm. a profound, profound's the wrong word, a, uh, a racist who hated minorities. Her stated purpose was the extermination of minorities that she thought were inferior. Planned Parenthood is the primary federal agency or the primary agency that receives federal funding for the abortion industry whose clients are predominantly minorities. Mm-hmm. And the harsh reality is the millions and millions and millions of, of not just 10-week fetuses, but third trimester viable outside the womb babies mm-hmm. for convenience sake, uh, for the sake of exterminating minorities. And that's an inconvenient truth. Truth is our friend, depending on what side we find ourselves. And the truth of the matter is, Roe allowed four federally funded monies to fund a worldview of exterminating minorities. And that's an inconvenient truth for people. And the truth of the matter is, just on moral grounds alone, right? if we're going to spend all this money to fight a Nazi regime that was exterminating humans at the rate it was, who are we to allow federal dollars to exterminate children, predominantly minorities? Um, so there's my victory lap, and I'm going to take it because it's a win for humanity. I don't even gonna say I, it's a win for the gospel yet. I'm just saying for humanity. Yeah. We're talking about people, the whole debate on, on is when does a child become a human? Let me ask you, when does a squirrel become a squirrel? Squirrels have squirrels, raccoons have raccoons, dolphins have dolphins, whales have whales. Each species replicates according to its kind. Mm-hmm. Humans are humans, humans have humans. So the very moment conception happens, 
Mm-hmm. That's a human being. Well, David Platt just clearly was speaking on abortion one time, and he said, "For you know, it really comes down to what is in the womb, right? If it's a human baby, yep. There's only one right and just conclusion, yep, to how to answer the question of abortion. That's right." That's right, and we're not talking, and and we're not talking about ectopic pregnancies. We're talking about medical emergencies. There are provisions for that, and yeah. those are rare. They do happen, and yet they are rare, and and so you can cross that bridge when you need to get there. But that's a completely separate argument than viable child in the womb convenience. It's not health care. It's choosing to eliminate consequences of lifestyle decisions. Yeah, that's I mean, not healthcare. All over the news, all over social media, there's all the things thrown out about like, oh, well, no, you can't treat an ectopic pregnancy, and that's just not true. It's not that's true. blatantly not yeah. true. Now there have been bills introduced that didn't have a carve out for, hey, specifically this does not address right ectopic pregnancy. As those went through the legislative process, there were wise enough people to go, hey, we need to explicitly state that. Right. This bill to ban abortion doesn't ban treatment for miscarriages. It doesn't ban mm-hmm. treating an ectopic pregnancy because an right. ectopic pregnancy, you're going to lose both lives. Neither life can survive. Right. It's not the same issue as talking about elective abortion. That's right. Or abortion. That's and so right. that's right. I, I think for me as a Christian, there's, there's two different ways to kind of approach this topic and this victory. Right. But one is a theological argument. I'll get to that in a second, because that undergirds our worldview as Christians. But there's a constitutional argument that has, like, it can be completely secular. Right. There was nothing in the Constitution about abortion. Right. And that's really what the Dobbs decision says, is that the Constitution doesn't address this issue. That's right. So we're returning it to the states. That's right. And that's a great argument. Right. It's a legitimate argument. That's the that's really one of the arguments that won the day. That's right. In the Supreme Court was well the Constitution really doesn't address this. Yeah. The theological argument is that we believe that God creates every human being. Yeah. In his image. That's right. And so if we're all created in the image of God, we don't have the right to just say, eh, not that one. Right. That's right. Uh, that's exactly. We right. don't have the. We don't have the. We shouldn't have the right to say. I'm going to not take responsibility for my actions that led to this pregnancy. There's all kind of exceptions where right. it wasn't a voluntary choice that led to a pregnancy. But for by and large, the elective abortions that were a choice, right? It becomes a. I'm not going to take responsibility for this life. Yeah. That's a completely different conversation than uh, minority cases. And I said a very small minority of cases in which maybe we can have some discussions around, around those things and what are options and and how do we address that? Cause there's all kind of spiritual, emotional issues with some of those, those minority of cases. The great majority is elimination of consequences of lifestyle choices and, and, and here's, here's the topic. The ultimate topic is, can a human being control their sexuality and their sexual expression? And some people are going to say no. And, and the worldview behind that is we're just, we're, we're highly, we're more highly evolved animals. So we're made to procreate. And so I can't control that, can't control those urges. I'm just going to procreate. And then I'm going to 
wipe away the consequences with whatever means I can. And, and as Christians, what we say is, no, you're an image bearer of God. You're not an animal. And your sexuality is something you can master mm-hmm. as an exercise of human self-control. I'm not even introducing Holy Spirit, supernatural power. I'm just talking about as human beings creating the image of God, you have the master ability of self-control. Now, tapping into that's a different topic, but we all have that capacity. Non-Christians do it all the time. You can control your sexuality. You can mm-hmm. determine to do what's necessary to not get pregnant in the expression of your sexuality. You can determine um, simply suppress your sexual expression for a time. Mm-hmm. There are way too many options available to prevent the need for federal money to murder a child. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but that's ultimately for me the issue. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways, so many different thought patterns I could chase yeah. here. But at the end of the day, if we believe, and, and there are people who would argue with what I'm about to say and say that they read the same Bible and follow the same Jesus and want to, to love and minister to people just like I do. But I don't see how you could read the scriptures come to a conclusion about what it means to be made in the image of God, that God knit us together in our mother's wombs, and that that it is part of his created order that we multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. That involves reproduction. That involves mm-hmm. new children being born. Yeah. Understandings of God and his justice and his care and his love and compassion and how all those things work together. I don't know how you could could come to an understanding of that as who God is. Right. And then come to a conclusion that abortion is okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's a victory. It's a, it's a long term victory one. Yeah. That overturns a bad precedent. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we can so we should celebrate that for the, for human life. Yeah. For human life. And, and so it's a win and the straw man arguments and there and the internet's full of them. What about old people? What about immigrants? Yeah, we, yeah. We should we should yes. start addressing those issues. Yeah, we should not be killing old people for the sake of convenience, and 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 no, <laughs> we we should we should be caring for immigrants, whether limiting their entry um, until we have the necessary capacity to care for them well, or welcoming them with all kinds of care. Yes, because they're humans from birth. To the grave, every life matters. And so people use that straw man argument because they don't hear um, they don't hear an awful lot of what about old people or what about immigrants. Well, here's the reality is is those are still those are still vital, but they're also uh, a different component. It's a different nuance to the pro life argument. So are we for all that? You bet we are. Every Christian is. Yeah, trying to separate well, are you pro whole life? Right. Well, yes, I am. Do we as a society need to do a better job of caring for people and having the systems and social order in place that actually promote life? Yes, absolutely we do. Right. Even Christians make terrible arguments about refugees and immigrants and speak all kind of blasphemous language yeah. around, quote-unquote, those people. Like right. That's terrible. That yeah. should not be our view. We've stated that on podcasts before that <laughs> absolutely our view of refugees and immigration and serving the other conflicts with both political parties at some point. Right. But to say that because 
all these other whole life pro life issues are not addressed and dealt with. Right. We can't celebrate the overturn of Roe. Like that's a false dichotomy. That's uh, a false dichotomy. It's trying to pit one against the other. That's right. And you can't say that well, I'm pro whole life, but until all these other whole life measures are in place, we should still allow abortion. Then you're not pro life. Yeah, you're not pro life. That's right. That's right. We and we, the counter argument comes like, well, you're just really anti abortion. I, I am anti abortion. Yep. And you are too, yep. I believe. And I believe most people who would espouse a pro life view are yeah. that. And but and that's not bad. That's consistent with yeah. my theological view. It's consistent with my view of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I think it's completely consistent with a with a Christian worldview. Um, I, I, I think another um, straw man argument is here that the church is responsible. Christians, when I say Christians, I must, my theology means the church, the local church is responsible. We're the ones who are responsible for doing all the work of caring for these babies. And what I want to say is no. God established government authority. Governments, and this is straight out of the Bible, governments tax their people to do good. And so, yes, Christians are responsible, but it's not the church alone's responsibility to function as a government. Now, we're good Southern Baptists, and one of the things we believe in is the separation of church and state, which does not mean what most people think it means, meaning Christians can't pray in public. or Christ- that, That's not a separation of church and state issue. That's ignorance on fire. So if you think that, stop it. Read a book. Do something. If you can read, it's left to right, sentences separated by by periods. If you can read, do a little history. That's not what separation of church and state means. Separation of church and state means the church is not the state. The state is not the church. They don't run each other. Okay, mm-hmm. That's what that means. I die on that hill. I will die for that. I do not want my government setting my theology, and I don't want me setting government authority. That doesn't mean as a Christian I couldn't serve as a senator or a state representative. I could, should in many cases. So, so, so here's the government has a role too. They tax us, and we should, as citizens, demand our government spend those federal dollars to help us do the care. Now, Justin, you know where we're sitting, and we're nobodies. Nobody knows our name except for we do this for our people, mm-hmm. and so our people listen to this. We want to have more time in front of the people God's given us to care for their souls. Um, so nobody knows who we are, but we're sitting in a place that we make possible, mm-hmm. and nobody's going to come and interview us or ask us questions about this work. But we're doing all we can to partner with our federal government, our state government, our our city government, and our county government to bring that kind of healing in this building that we're recording this in. And so we're doing all we can, but it's not all on us. We have a government that has a responsibility to take our tax dollars and use them responsibly to help us and us help them do this work. And that's not the combining of church and state. That is church and state working together to solve a common problem. Yeah, And, and, and I can hear some people when they say, okay, so is the church going to care for these new orphans that will be born? If they can't be aborted, yeah, the church has a responsibility to mm-hmm. say, "Hey, we need to continually call people yeah. and remind them to, mm-hmm. hey, God called us to care for the orphan and the widow, and have been the people doing it predominantly we, for fifty years. We have been doing it, and we will all acknowledge that we need to do more of it. We need more people yeah. who are willing to engage in that work. I mean, Floyd County has what nineteen open foster homes right now. We need right. more people. That's right to serve as foster parents." Yeah. 
But that doesn't mean that we haven't been trying to do that or doing that already. That's right. And we need our federal government to help change some laws to make it more easy to do so. Sometimes the government trying to help makes it harder. Right. So there's legislative changes that have to happen in order to make it easier to be foster parents. Yeah. Right. And, and all these issues, we say, yes, we need to continue to work on those issues. Yeah. But we're going to celebrate the overturn of You bet we are. Absolutely. Because it's a win for humans, not just Christians. It's a win for humanity. Because we care about every single human. It's a win for humanity. It is. And so I'm grateful. And, and the unfortunate thing is the United States of America has some of the most liberal abortion policy on the face of the planet. There are countries that we would argue with their politics and their religion uh, who have more strict concern for life than we do. Well, there, there's also blatant hypocrisy in the news right now. I mean, right. the French president talking about, well, I'm just so ashamed. Their law's more restrictive than the Mississippi law that was upheld at the Supreme Court. Kills me, right? That's like, come on, people. Like, it's, mm. it's, and, you know, with the exception of Canada, most of the government leaders that have spoken out actually have more restrictive laws than that Mississippi law. Yeah, that I get. I, Which is I, just I, a, such a, like, the French. This is not actually, this is not actually about right. life. Yeah. It's not actually about caring for people. It, whether Even if you define abortion services as some type of care, mm-hmm. which is a hip, in my opinion, it's an oxymoron, hypocritical yeah. term. But if that's what you want to view it as, it's not about that. Right. If you can't see that, like, your own law is more restrictive than this law. Like, it, oh. it just, the that, French that, should not, that should not be hard to see. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the French, the French to be criticizing the United States over anything just absolutely blows my mind because truth of the matter is, if it wasn't for us, we'd be asking Germany their opinion. Mm. And so they, yeah, anyway, that's probably out of bounds. <laughs> I apologize, but that's a fact. The French, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop. Anyway, we don't have to talk about France. Yeah, but, I'm going to stop right but, there, but that frustrates me when I read stuff like that about. So I know you may want, there may be more you want to share about Roe, but th- there's an intersection of these two current events right. of, of the, the Pride Month, Pride event, and Right. Overturning of Roe, when you talk about, um, you made the comment about our sexual ethic. Right. And our ability to, you either view yourself as you have this ability to control that or you don't. Right. And that's where these two things intersect in yep. many ways is can you control your urges? Yeah. As Christians, we would look at it and say, can you control temptations toward things that are sinful, right? that are not good for you? And all kind of secular arguments toward whether or not this really is sinful, should be sinful, good for you, bad for you. But at the end of the day, there's also an argument about, can you control that? And if it's something you control, then the answers to these things are very different than what the world espouses. That's right. Because the world takes a position on, well, you can't control it, so just go for it. Yeah, that's right. You have you have no control over how you're born or your your urges or whatever they happen to be. So therefore, you just are what you are. And let's just take that argument to the logical conclusion. So let's say uh, I'm BTK. I'm not. They caught that guy. But if you're BTK, if anybody knows who BTK is, it, was that just it's his urge, man? It's he was he got away with that mass murder spree for what thirty plus years before he was finally caught. And so those were his urges, and he covered it up, and he murdered all these women. And so is that okay because that's his urge? Could he control that? Well, we would all go, well, heck yeah. So where does your logic end? If that's your logic, this is just what I am, who I am, where do you stop that? And and if you say, well, that murdering other humans, I'm going, well, who? 
who are you to tell me? Right? If, if you're saying I can't control myself and this is okay, then why isn't that okay? What is your ethical framework that tells you it's okay to do this, not okay to do that? you got to have a framework. Mm-hmm. And something is informing it there. What's your sense of law and justice? And, and so if BTK can operate, why can't an abortion clinic? If BTK can operate, why can't you mm-hmm. have a, a, a sexual ethic that, that promotes something that we would say is unhealthy? So why not just be anarchist? Yeah. yeah, and so you're right. We we believe there's a sense of human self control, mm-hmm. right? And so here's where I want to go with our pride parade. I want to talk about the worship service that was the culmination of the thing at a local church. So before we jump there, yeah, I want to say yeah. like it's actually not shocking, right, that a secular and lost world, right, would celebrate things that the church would say are sinful or not good for humanity. Correct. It is not surprising at all. Right. So I'm not surprised that there's a continual push for this. Correct. I wish it were not. Right. But I'm not surprised. The surprising thing is what you're about to talk about. Yeah, that's the surprise for me. Here's, I don't care that we have a pride parade in Rome, Georgia. That's fine. Have a parade. I believe one of the beautiful things about our country is that, Everybody has a right to believe what they want to believe. We have religious freedom. And by the way, I think uh, every worldview has a religious core. I don't think there's anything that's... We, we did a podcast on this. I don't think there's anything secular. Everything is religious. Um, and I think it's epitomized in the fact that this culminated in a religious service in a Christian, so-called Christian church. Everything is sacred and it's either sacred toward evil or toward what the Bible says is good and right and for the flourishing of humanity. So I believe in America everybody's got a right to be free. You want to be Muslim, be a Muslim. You want to be a Hindu, be a Hindu. You want to be a Sikh, be a Sikh. You want to be a Buddhist, be a Buddhist. You want to be a Christian, be a Christian, be whatever. You should be able to say what you want to say, think what you want to think. I believe in complete freedom under our constitution as long as we're not breaking the laws of human dignity. So be free. If you want to have a pride parade Fill out your permit and have the parade. If we want to have an Easter parade and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, let's fill out the thing and have whatever. I'm good with you doing whatever. And frankly, I don't want to protest any of it. Be free. And I know there are Christians who disagree with that. I'm not going to show up and protest the pride Mm -hmm. parade because, frankly, I don't care. Not that I don't care. I don't care that you're having a parade. Have a parade. It's not like the whole pride month, everything, all my apps went rainbow. Like, okay, whatever. It's fine. I'm not going to fight that. My problem is the idea that we should celebrate this in a religious service. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to do that and and create your own religion, fine. But to merge that in a local church, use a scripture passage from the Old Testament. Uh, make it say something it does not say. Make it say something it does not say. What you have done there is you have crossed into an area of ignorance foolishness, and intentional uh, capitulation of your worldview to the worldview of the kingdom of darkness. That's my problem. Yeah. It, be careful how I say this. But it, it becomes a celebration of what God says is not good for us. It becomes a celebration of something that God calls sinful. That's and right. I know that there are people who 
espouse to be Christians that would disagree with that statement, that that, that is sinful. There are people who make all kind of arguments to say, well, you believe it's sinful. I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. Okay, that is what I believe the Bible teaches. That is what we believe the Bible teaches. That is what our denomination believes the Bible teaches. That is the stream of evangelical thought and Christianity that we flow in that we would consider orthodox, that would say it clearly teaches, starting even up up higher and further back, that God created the male and female, and that that Mm -hmm. is where that is where that theology originates from, that mm-hmm. this is what is good. One man, one woman, together, your yep. life. What God has joined together, don't let anyone separate. And we live in a fallen world, so all kinds of things happen. But to celebrate as good what God calls sin mm-hmm. in a worship service. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Man, that stepped into a different... That's a different team. Let me just say it. That is not the team that the Bible outlines as the team of, of the God of the Bible. We're using the same words. Yep. The same book. Yep. Similar language. But we're on different pages. Yep. You're like defining words differently. We are completely going in different directions here. Yeah, that's right. So what you have there, um, you have a, it's multi-layered. And, and I don't think we're going to be able, we can't cover all of it today. We just want to introduce people to enough framework to be able to think for yourselves um, and think for themselves. Um, what you've done is a interpretive framework or fancy words hermeneutic is that the Bible is not ultimately authoritative on every issue and can be interpreted according to what the person brings to the text, not what the text actually means. Mm. So there's a worldview in play of what do words mean? Do I bring meaning to words or do words have innate meaning from the author and the intent of the author that's that is that's a deconstruct that's a, called literary deconstruction and so what you have is you have a descartes perspective on what do words mean who determines meaning versus what i would say is a accurate understanding of literature is that words have meaning that are determined by authorial intent and then the question is who's the author of the bible is it man or is it God and are men scribes? Or is man writing his opinion and putting God's name on it? Well, we believe God's the author, one author, and that people are the scribes that received it. So we believe the ultimate authorial intent of the Bible is determined by God. In order to know God, we know him in his word. We know his heart. We know his intention. We get that in Genesis 1 and 2. Therefore, we define words according to that when we read them in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We don't bring a current perspective on words and read them onto the text, which is what happened there. Here's the perspective. This is normal. This is good for human flourishing. So let's go find a text, read that on top of that text, and then make a conclusion. I would argue that is the epitome. It's number one, a religion. Number two, it's not Christianity. And number three, it is not for human flourishing. It's destructive. Well, you can you can do that with any issue. You can. If I wanted to find a way to twist this to whatever I believe about yep. this and that, and then I'm going to run with it in that direction. That's right. I mean, you can do that with anything. Yeah. And, I do and you end up with yeah. nothing yes. that you actually stand on, that you actually believe. Yeah. And so. I have a tendency to do it as a human. If I find myself at home in a little hot water with my bride, because let's say I bought. Uh, a Coke Zero at the gas station in addition to my truck that holds a lot of gas and with current gas prices, 
Uh, and she's like, why are you buying $2.50, 20-ounce Coke Zeros? And I go, well, you see, um, what happened was um, I, you know, was thirsty. And I started defining thirst like I couldn't. Like I'm, I'm three tenths of a mile from my house. I couldn't go home and get a drink of water. I start defining terms like I was really thirsty and I was, you know, insinuating that I was. And I'm just a stupid, silly example. But when I find myself in a little hot water, I can start justifying just about anything. Well, baby, I, you know, well, it comes back to to who's the who. <laughs> and this probably doesn't get taught enough in the church. Maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe it's just my experience. But when I come to faith in Christ, yeah. Part of me coming to faith in Christ, repenting of my sins, believing in the gospel, getting baptized, joining a local church, I am saying yeah. that Jesus is now my authority. That's right. In all manner of my life. Yep. And I am willing to submit to that authority. I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. Absolutely. You're going to have to correct my thinking sometimes. You know, Pastor Jim, Pastor, yeah, you know, my friends, people who know me, my life group, my wife. They're going to correct me at times and go, I, I don't think you're, th- uh, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're a goober because I'm not perfect. Yeah. But if I'm walking with the Lord, mm-hmm. I'm going to hear that That's right. gentle, loving correction. If I ignore the gentle, loving correction, it becomes a backhand to the side of the head. Um, and I'm going to submit my life yeah. to the rule and reign of Jesus. Right. Even if I don't like it, even if I don't understand it, Right. But if that's the the rule and reign of Jesus says this is how life is to take place, right? My responsibility as a believer is to continually be moving in that direction. Yes, that's right. And that, so if I come at something with a worldview that says I think all these things and this is what I grew up hearing and knowing, and you show me the truth from Scripture, I should be moving in that direction, right? Not in a direction that continues to say, "Yeah, but I'm going to keep doing this anyway." That's exactly right. And that that's where we come back to defining these words. And and even my tendency, your tendency to try when we're feeling a certain way to justify our behavior. In this instance, people want to define these terms to justify. And, and I want to acknowledge this a real, felt, emotional, physical reality. So I, I want to say this very clearly, and I hope people have hung in long enough with us to hear this. Because I know people have friends, have read enough, and know people through reading um, their stories to know that sexual feeling is real. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. it's emotional, spiritual, physical. Um, People want connection. Want connection, and and it is. And so I'm not beating up on anybody for having that. The question is, where did it come from? Why is it there? Is it best for human flourishing? What does God say about it? And so I want to say, number one, if you're talking about pro-life ethic, I'm pro the life of any person who has a homosexual tendency or Absolutely. feeling. I, um, and I believe, I believe there are people there who have it, who wrestle with it, are silent about it. They don't know what to do. They also feel the conflict, and that I think they sit silently and suffer. Mm-hmm. And and I want them to hear, if you're in our church, you don't have to suffer. Um, you can talk about it, and you're not going to be put down. You're going to be beat up. Um, we're going to look at things from God's perspective. We're going to help because there are people I know who live with it and determined to live a life of celibacy mm-hmm. and submission to the Lord and what they believe about God's Word and are fulfilled and happy. Yeah. Um, and there are people it's all over the spectrum. So that's a whole different topic for later. But I want people to hear not us beating up. What us, right. what us addressing is a Christian church, supposed Christian church, blending 
a religious framework with another religious framework that's opposite of theirs. That's called syncretism. It's what Israel did in the Old Testament. Let's take Baal, put Yahweh's name on him. A little bit of Baal, a little bit of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, I'm covered if it doesn't rain. (laughs) That's exactly right. So it is a religious worldview. It's a framework. Um, And so I do want to continue to say this because I'm going to beat this drum until they get me. But um, after the ball... It's now over $700 on Amazon, this book. If you want to go to the library and check it out, it's on library loan. I think there's only one copy. I have a copy. I'm just going to keep it, Um, uh, and I may be tweeting out some content from it. It is the playbook. It's the meta-narrative of this worldview. Um, It's written by Kirk and Madsen. It's called After the Ball. If you can get it cheap, get it and read it, um, you'll find it's a meta-narrative. It's a religion. It's the Bible of that worldview, and it stands contrary and opposite to what God says is human. Pastor Jim human. told us about a book, I think, called Marketing Evil, yeah. something like that. Marketing of Evil. Yeah, that's so. that's one to go check out. It quotes after the ball a lot. It, it, it pulls from it. So if you want to find a cheaper version, the Marketing of Evil is one. And it addresses more than... It does. And it addresses both of these issues. It does. That's exactly right. So these are some resources you can go check out. Um, I hope you hear in our voice um, much tolerance for folks who are wrestling, but also want to be honest about wrestling, theology in the dirt. So there are things that God says we take seriously, and we're trying to figure out how to put them to practice in our family, in our church, in our city. And so, Justin, do you have any final words as we get ready to check out for the day? Um, I think it's just important for us to think through these things as believers. That's our primary audience for this podcast, right, as other believers. Um, but I also think it's important to hear, like, there is pastoral compassion. There is a love for people that wants good for people yep, and does not want to be, because I know it could very much sound like um, heavy-handed judgment. Yeah. And um, that's not where this is condemnation from. Right. for someone who believes differently on these two issues. That's right. Um, and that's not our intent. But we as believers are going to stand firm on this is what we believe is true and right. And hopefully we can do that with gentleness and love together. Amen. Um, I agree with that. I can't say it better. I think that's perfect. Justin, it's good to have you back in here, man. Good to be back. It's been really fun to be able to talk about some of this stuff with you, and we'll uh, we'll come back. Now, um, it might be a couple of weeks. Um, some of us are going to be traveling, and so when we get back in the country, there'll be plenty of, I'm sure, current events for us to talk about, apply our worldview to. And so we look forward to it. If you have any questions, uh, please email them to us at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. We actually have a question in the inbox now we're going to have to get to. And so we'll come at that next. And as you guys send us more questions, we'll keep talking about them. As current events happen, we'll keep talking about them. We really appreciate you listening. Thanks for your feedback. Y'all have a great day. See you next time. Out.